Welcome to the Nourished and Nurturing Podcast, for two holistic-minded moms with a passion for real food and raising healthy, empowered children. We want to provide a safe and educational, judgment-free zone for supporting women as they journey into motherhood and discover the mom they were meant to be. I'm Marissa of Confidently Balanced. I'm a former speech-language pathologist turned nutritional therapy practitioner and have a passion for all things health, wellness, and mindset. I'm also a mama to a little guy with a big personality. And I'm Michelle. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner student. I have a degree in Thai massage and a master's in business analytics. I'm a mama to a little one and have another one on the way. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical concern. Jenna is a wife, mama, and owner operator of Three Rivers Farm and Retreat in Old Fort, Tennessee. Alongside her husband and toddler, she runs the Farm and Retreat, where they raise their own food for their family, host folks through Airbnb, Hip Camp, and Harvest Hosts. They recently added Sourdough Micro Bakery to their repertoire as they've grown their nationwide shipment from scratch sourdough products immensely in the last eight months. She graduated from University of Central Florida with a degree in mechanical engineering and put in 10 years with the Boeing company, working on the 777 airplane production line as a liaison engineer. After a health crash in 2014, she went the traditional route of trying to use modern medicine to alleviate her symptoms. And when that didn't work, changed her focus on food, quality, and sourcing from her local farmers. The domino effect that happened from there led her to establishing Three Rivers Farm. (laughs) So awesome. (laughs) So I've I've already talked about you on this podcast um, because obviously we visited you in August. So that was six months ago. I remember the babes babes on the porch with the watermelon and very little clothing. I'm like, that was (laughs) That was summertime. <laughs> we were all yeah. hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was amazing. And I feel like your story is just so cool. Like, uh, just how you got to running that farm. And it's just a magical place. We stayed in an RV um, on your land for, it was just two nights, but it was yeah. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was so great to have you guys out there. And we, and you found us through Laura, right? Yeah, Laura Burner from Radical Roots. Yeah. Yeah. She said it was magical and she was right. (laughs) (laughs) It is pretty dreamy out there. (laughs) Yeah. And then I was talking to your husband. Like, I just kind of started asking a couple of questions about raising animals and farming. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much. There's so much. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's so, so much. much. We don't know. Oh my gosh. Are you <laughs> <laughs> it's, but it's just, it's, it's such a cool perspective, like, like changing this shift from, especially when you're in a city, like just going to the store and picking up meat. And a lot of people, the first thing they're looking at is price versus mm-hmm. like, okay, let's really think about how these animals are raised, how we want to, um, you know, just, just use our food. <laughs> yes, totally. We've really been conditioned, um, our parents and parents be- and the parents before us. Um, we've really been conditioned to like, okay, let's find the best deal. Um, as opposed to like, you know, food is not just a, 
it shouldn't be a second thought. It should be the highest priority. You know, we're fueling our bodies. We have to eat every day in order to live. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely a societal thing Yeah, <laughs> that we need to change for sure. Well, yeah, that focus on price has kind of just allowed us to, like things are happening in our food supply that should never have happened. <laughs> Absolutely. Agree. (laughs) Yes. Well, yeah. Can you just talk a little bit more about your background and how uh, you talked about the domino effect, but how it led you to farming? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I had a major autoimmune flare, um, which at the time that it happened, I didn't know any of those words went together. (laughs) And, um, we had a huge road trip and then came back from that road trip and just all those little stressors that added up to tent camping in the winter on the coast. And, um, it, my body was just like, okay, I am going (laughs) to expel the demons here and had a major psoriasis outbreak and, um, went to the doctor, went to the dermatologist and was like, okay, fix me. Like what's going on with my skin? Give me the ointments, give me the, all the things. And so they gave me immune suppressants and I had to get blood tests every week to make sure my white blood count wasn't going up because if I, if I was getting some kind of sickness, my body was not going to be able to fight it because of these immune suppressants. They were making me sick. They didn't work. Like everything didn't just magically get better. And so I went in, I started Googling like maybe natural ways to heal psoriasis or, you know, something along those lines and landed in the realm of paleo of like the real food, Liz, Liz Wolf and Diane Sanfilippo and all of those ladies that were really pushing awesome information as opposed to like paleo, eat all the meat and get stronger CrossFit type thing that was happening at that time. Mm -hmm. And so that was a big eye-opening experience for me. Um, I rode horses all my life and just kind of assumed like all of the animals in the grocery store were raised on beautiful green pastures and live this really wonderful life. And that is not the case. (laughs) And so went into the dermatologist said, Oh, I found out, you know, some information about, you know, sourcing my food differently. And he kind of just looked at me like, yeah, if you, um, go on a diet and exercise a little bit, you're, likely going to feel better too. And I'm like, Oh, we're not, we're not talking about the same thing. So so we, I stopped going to the doctor and, um, kind of relied heavily on the, uh, steroid cream to just keep all the stuff that you could see on my skin at bay for the moment. Um, but we found pretty quickly that once we changed our mindset around our food and started, we really started to deep dive into finding local farmers and getting educated about how animals are being raised. And, um, we started volunteering. We were really lucky to have a young couple right around our age that was farming already. And we immediately started volunteering with them, turkey processing, things like that. And that was like kind of our gateway. Um, we would, we did a turkey processing and then we bought a whole lamb from them and they, asked us like, Oh, are you, did you guys want to come out for the whole process? You know, cause otherwise they would just like send it to the butcher and then we would tell the butcher what we wanted and pick it up, which is awesome too. Um, but we were ready to take that next step and kind of see like, okay, well, what does that look like? What part of the process? Um, 
And it was, it, it's really hard to explain how amazing it was. It was like, you know, through the whole, it was just a very kind process and like learning that side of it. We both looked at each other and we we're like, this is what we were supposed to do with our life. We were supposed to be farmers. We were supposed to raise our own food. We wanted to raise our babies in an environment where both of us could be there. And then just the farming community in general is so supportive, which depending on what corporate um, world you're in, that's really kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. (laughs) And yeah, so it was just, it was, it just clicked for us. And then we were like, we don't need all the things. We don't need to make tons of money. Um, which is a big change from where I started because the only reason I went to college to be an engineer was because I wanted to make all the money. (laughs) And that was like my goal in life. (laughs) I'm going to make all the money and I'm going to buy whatever I want. And then we had the money and we had the things and we were like, no, wait, this was not how we were supposed to live our life out. So um, that was the domino effect. We, We got married in New Zealand. We eloped to New Zealand and spent... 30 days in a little van <laughs> with a bed and a little stove burner. And we were like, we could totally do this. We could, we don't need everything. And so mm-hmm. we came back, sold our house. And within, it was like a five year turn, three year turn, six month plan. Um, we got back from New Zealand. We um, put our house on the market, sold everything, bought a travel trailer and <laughs> started venturing across the country. Um, yeah, because you lived in that trailer or the RV that we stayed yeah. at when we were there, yep. right? Yeah, yeah it's it nice. Almost, yeah, it <laughs> but I was only there for I know, two Justin nights. Was like the only thing I like. Right, he's like the only thing I really need is is headroom. You know, he's six foot four, and he's like, I yeah. can't do the van thing. Um, but if we can find something where I can move around really easily in that trailer, fit the bill and. We left Washington for the sheer fact that it's so expensive out there. Um, and we were like, well, we can't possibly quit our jobs <laughs> and then raise babies in a place where the cost of living is astronomical. Um, and we hadn't seen a lot of the rest of the country and we wanted to learn from other farmers. And so we basically just set off. And um, after an apprenticeship in North Carolina, we went down to Florida, which is where my family is. Um, hunkered down there for about five months and then uh, regrouped. And on our way back out of Florida, the Tennessee opportunity popped up on our radar and we stopped in. We had no intention of renting yet, you know, like of really, we really were just going to work for trade wherever we went. And then it just felt right. It felt like it was time for us to, to carve our own path and to establish something um, that we are really passionate about and that has unfolded at three rivers. So, <laughs> oh gosh, there's so many things about that, that I love. <laughs> it's it's a, been a wild ride for sure. Yeah. Well, I will say like the corporate thing, that's, that's something I'm just personally still struggling with. Like, can yeah. we let this go? Can we step outside of this? Like it, it's hard, especially yes. when you're, when everyone around you is so in it. Yes. Um, but even like the paleo thing, I remember when I first went on the paleo diet, yes. it was like, okay, I'm going to do this for 60 days and here's the list of rules. Yes. And it's, um, Liz Wolf was one of the people who really changed my perspective too. Mm-hmm. And sh- it's like, 
No, it's not about a list of yes or no's. It's about thinking of your food differently. Like thinking yes. about what's going to nourish you and, um, and like, thank God people, for <laughs> I, I love her. Um, She's such a light. Oh my God. And then, yeah, other people look at the diet as kind of restrictive, but it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I, I feel like I love food for yes. the first time in my life. Like Ever. really appreciate yeah. flavor and fat and mm-hmm. vegetables and, you know, just, I don't know. It's amazing. We lose our mind like with every meal we eat. I mean, you saw us. We, <laughs> <laughs> we love food so much. And um, I, was, I was the same way, like calorie counting and running off the calories. I was like, just loved to run, did half marathons, all the things I remember. Okay like in my calorie counting app that I had at the time, I was weighing the difference between having like a Michelob ultra light beer versus like maybe having dessert that night. And I'd look back on those days of restriction and then my body was like, but I'm hungry. (laughs) And I didn't know what that meant and reading labels and all the things like none of our food. I mean, we buy our pantry staples and things like that, like through Thrive Market, but none of our food like the bulk of what we eat has labels anymore and it's so freeing and to like relieve that stress around food. Um, I think was probably, there's so many things that we gleaned from this experience and carving out this path, but that definitely ranks really high on the list of just not, um, putting any stress around what we eat because we just eat really good food all the time now. (laughs) Well, and then even like what you said about the psoriasis, you think, oh, it's a skin condition. And it's like the Western medicine kind of like separates everything. And it's like, well, now you're like, I don't know. I think of my whole body as like, what's, what's coming in, what's going out, you know, (laughs) like there's no isolated issues. (laughs) doesn't matter right. what I eat. When you this realize only affects the skin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And mine, um, I mean, we did elimination diets. I went through, I did um, functional diagnostic, uh, worked with the practitioner through that, did a lot of testing and just learned so much about my body, fell in love with my hormones and everything that my hormones tell me and just really... Um, was empowered that it was about two years before we got tried to get pregnant with Nora and um, just so empowered with what that information our bodies our feedback system we are capable of of getting all of that information like we're not bystanders in this we bystanders in this we don't just need to go to a doctor to look for information that it's there at our fingertips and can be there if we know the right resources and so that was so huge for us it was like (laughs) oh my gosh I can do this all not on my own but like I can get the information and I can find the right people that will give me (laughs) answers that are more yeah Yeah. And you just did your NTP. So that's like, you must be, I mean, we didn't, I didn't even go that far. And just to like have the information that you have now at your fingertips, it's gotta be, it's just life changing. It's totally. Yeah. I I really loved the program. I learned so much. (laughs) Yeah. It was cool. (laughs) Yes. But so, yeah, so you have, your farm is a retreat where people can go and camp or stay in the RV and stay on the land, but you also have a working farm there yeah um, can you talk about that like how how you decided what animals to raise and like now you're shipping food yeah. and how you're doing all that 
<laughs> yeah. So um, one of our biggest missions, a lot of the farmers that we worked with um, and a lot of farmers just traditionally when they're trying to sell their product, they're going to farmers markets or there's time spent off farm. And when you're farming, like an hour off farm is like 24 hours in real life. Like it's like staying on the farm and, and dealing with all the moving parts was at the forefront of our mind. And then also being there with our babies and, you know, just keeping that family unit. So our biggest mission is to invite people out to the farm um, in whatever capacity they want to be there, whether they care about where their food comes from, um, if they're just intrigued by seeing animals, if they just want to go camp in a place that's not an RV park. So that was really like our biggest mission, get people out to the farm. And then um, this farm made it possible for us to do that. Just a lot of really great spots and um, a lot of great spots to enjoy. And we love having people out there because we can't go to, it's 225 acre farm and we can't possibly like go to all the places that we love about the farm all the time. And so to like have somebody go up to the ridge and then come down and just have their eyes just lit up of like, Oh my God, that sunset and <laughs> all oh. the things that we fell in love with when we, when we got, went out there and saw it. Um, so sharing the farm, it's bigger than us. Um, yes, we get to manage the land and we get to have the animals on there, but if we just get to, <laughs> plant the seed no pun intended um for one person to ask questions about where mm -hmm. their food is coming from that's all we we're not trying to shove it down anybody's throat we're not trying to convert you we're not trying to put down what other people are doing or how what food you're eating we actually don't even really bring it up unless someone wants to talk about it um because we found like in the farming community, it can get really biased and we're all in this together. Like even if we're not farming the same way as our neighbor, um, they still love and care about their animals, you know? So, I mean, we've, we've met um, folks that raise chickens in those huge barns and stuff. They still love their animals. They're just doing it in a different way, you know? And hmm. so um, we don't, we don't push our views on anybody. If they ask questions, we're there and we love it. And we love to talk about it. Obviously, you know that, <laughs> um, so that, so what animals to raise, we basically, um, charge forward with what things we like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ultimately, ultimately we're raising it for our family first and foremost, and we're going to eat the food. Um, and we were like, <clears throat> we really dived into like growing vegetables this year and doing seed starts and getting part of the land prep for us to grow our own vegetables. But we, for the longest time we were like, Oh, we'll just always buy those. We're really not interested in okay. growing vegetables. But, um, as far as like hogs go and chickens go and eggs, those are probably the top three things that are typically not raised in their natural habitat. And, so the, that's where we started. Um, we wanted to get good quality pork in the freezer. We wanted to get good eggs on a regular basis. Um, Cause there's so many buzzwords out there these days that you can go into a grocery store and get completely overwhelmed by like what you're trying to buy. <laughs> mm -hmm. And those three products are at the very top of the list of either being farmed or just having marketing buzzwords around them where you're like, okay, I think I'm buying a good product, but 
in real life. Maybe that's not the case. And so we kind of started there and then have just slowly, we've actually just had a conversation this morning about getting some cows for beef and getting some sheep and a way to manage our land a little bit better without using a tractor. Um, the grass grows like a foot a day in the summer, <laughs> in the like okay. spring to summer in Tennessee. And so, and we're the part of the state that we're in. And so we're like, it's a, it's upon us. Grass season is upon us. So we're trying to, we're going to try to manage that with animals this season. Um, we feel a little bit more prepared this time, <laughs> but ultimately it was what we wanted to eat and what we want to see on our table. And that's where we started. And then it's all kind of branched out from there. And the more comfortable we get the land and the more we know what the land needs, we've added on to what we're doing. So <laughs> Always so, probably more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have a question about that. So I know with chickens, I know the buzzwords you're talking about around like free range versus yeah. cage free. And yes. like you can pay an extra $3 for cage free eggs, but it doesn't really mean anything. Or right. like, <laughs> so I'm, I'm aware of that with chickens, mm-hmm. um, how it's, it's just very confusing. Yeah. What about pork? So with pork, I would say that their hogs are probably at the top of the list of being um, farmed in a like barn setting where they never really see pasture or get to root or anything like that. Like, um, and if that's, I think a lot of times on the packaging, it's like no antibiotics or hormone free. And those are all just like marketing buzzwords that yeah, they're, they're, I, I don't know all the details of like what folks can use and what they can't other than like or being certified organic. Right. Um, but just saying that they're not injected with hormones and they're not given antibiotics, it gives no indication on how they're being raised at all. Like right. they don't have to put any of that on there. Um, and even I think some packaging now has humanely raised on there that that's a great buzzword, but it really does not indicate if they're outside, if they see sunshine, if they're in a natural habitat, you know? So we found that we had to go straight to the source if we wanted to find good quality pork and chicken. And that's kind of how we found um, some of the local farmers that we did. And mostly because we wanted to step up buying this food is more expensive and to make it more economical to buy, you can buy by the share. So like buy a whole animal or buy a half of an animal and then you pick it up from the butcher yourself. And so that led to understanding how the animal was raised (laughs) ultimately. Um, But the, the product I even went, I was like craving lunch meat the other day and I'm standing there. I've been at this for six years. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sitting there like, Oh, let's just pick the lesser of the evils, you know? (laughs) I don't know. Like, what does humanely raised mean? Like, they don't prod them? I don't know. I mean, (laughs) maybe nothing. I know. Yeah. So, just really, yeah. I'm so, I I wish I had a better answer for that of like, you can go into a store and look at these things and you'll know exactly what you're getting. But when it comes to the way animals were raised, we really, mostly because the consumer has never really asked. And so farmers are like, well, we don't have to disclose what we're doing because no one's 
asking the questions and now people are asking the questions. So they're like, okay, well, what are the buzzwords out there? What do I need to put on the packaging to get my products sold? You know, versus like, if you find someone local, you're going to like have more of a connection to understand how their animals are being raised. Well, yeah. And that's exactly why I wanted to talk to you is like it, it, even when you know who your farmer is, it can Mm -hmm. seem intimidating to ask the right questions. Um, so yeah. And I've bought my, I've bought my meat from a local ish, like they're a couple hours away to DNR, maybe an hour and a half, but, um, a localish farm for a while. We went out there and visited and I, I still feel like I have to not ask what I want to ask because I don't want to insult them. And that's where like, I was talking to your husband, Justin, and it was like, he's like, no, ask. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Yes. Give, I, give me the question. One of the notes I made too. Yeah. <laughs> that is one of the notes I made on, um, the, the interview questions is just, um, I always say to start with your own research. So like, why do you want to know the information that is in your head? Is it because of the buzzwords? Is it because of the marketing of what you've heard? Or are you really adamant about not having any soy in your diet or having any soy in your animal that you're the animal that you're consuming diet kind of thing? And so I think when you approach it from that sense of like, I want to know this information because it's important to me, not because I heard this is how we're supposed to be eating kind of thing. Okay. Then it, I think it comes from a different place in your heart of why you're trying to get that information. Um, And the reason Justin said that is because any farmer that is really proud of the product that they're growing and how they're growing it is going to want to share that with you. And if they don't already on social media or on their web site or in some capacity have that information out there um they're going to want to share how their animals are being raised because we're really proud of it it's really hard like (laughs) it would be way easier to just source you know dollar pound chicken from the store but it's really glorious to be a farmer and to get a baby chick and raise it out to process it and have that connection with your food and um as you know, we, we shared that with you guys and we, we would always share that information and we have nothing to hide. Um, so it can be intimidating for the consumer. Also, I think just because of the misinformation out there. So if you're like trying to get educated and then you're going to a farm and you're like, I need to know this information. Sometimes it's because maybe you don't really know why you need to know information or like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, yeah. So, um, I did make a couple notes about what you can do if you do get to open the conversation with a farmer, if you get, you know, that connection, which is always awesome. Like I said, always do your own research first. Um, don't expect the farmer to educate you on why you want to know those things. Um, and then there are farmers that will like the farmers that we worked with, we got close enough with them because we were volunteering with them and we were processing animals with them. Not everybody wants to process animals and we totally get that. (laughs) Um, but again, if they're proud of the product that they're growing, um, they are likely to be sharing that in other modalities. Oh, like I said, either on, on social media or on their website, they're going to detail out for the most 
part what they're doing. Um, and then some things you can ask, like it's important for us to steer clear of like GMO fed animals and animals mm-hmm. that are fed soy for the nutritional aspect of it, for the fact that we, there's not enough research done on GMOs and things like that for us to be like, yeah, let's just go for it, <laughs> you know? Um, and then just for the sake of not supporting a agricultural system that we don't believe in. And so those are usually like our tier of our decision, you know, like if we don't want to support it, if we don't have enough research behind it, then that's a good reason for us to avoid it. Um, and then I think I made one other note and then organic organic is it. It's so hard. It's so expensive for a farmer to be certified organic. And it's so expensive for a farmer to source organic feed. I mean, we ran into that as soon as we landed on the farm in Tennessee. We were like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, this feed is really expensive. Um, there's other options out there for feed that don't have soy, don't have GMO. I just picked up um, layer pellets, which is what we would feed to our pens that um, we get eggs from. It's not organic, but it's non-GMO and it's non-soy, which are two heavy hitters for us. Those are Mm -hmm. um, agricultural practices that we are interested in supporting. So um, we adjust our pricing for the type of feed that we're giving our hens and we're not going to overcharge for, you know, um, for if we're not feeding them organic or whatever the case may be, because the, the prices are dramatically different. Like a layer feed bag, 50 pounds is like $33. If we had the top of the line, no soy, non-GMO organic. And then I just picked up this layer feed for $14 for a 50 pound bag. Like that's just the, the statistic right there. Like, <laughs> and that's still more there. expensive than probably yeah, what than, most people yeah. would use. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I think going into it, like my food needs to be organic, all of it. Um, we've changed our mindset so much. The more we learn, like you said, there's so much to learn. Um, even us being in it as much as we're in it, there's still so much to learn. And so I remember the first time we went into the butcher's market and we were asking for grass fed pork products and they were like, I'm sorry. (laughs) You have no idea what you're talking about. You know, like we've been there, like we're on this end of it now, but we did walk into a butcher shop once and ask for pasture raised grass fed pork. And they were like, you are out of your your minds (laughs) because if you're growing an animal for me, especially pork and chickens, you're going to supplement with feed and it's going to be grain. (laughs) And so that's just how it is. Um, there's no, there's no way to get a animal to market without, having it be grain fed in some way other than cows, of course. But <laughs> so yeah. we were there, we were naive. We were, we were hoping other people okay. would educate. I thought you meant you wanted them to be on pasture and be able to like grub, but you were saying a hundred percent grass. Yeah. We were like, we want a hundred percent grass fed pork and the butcher okay. was like, Oh, that's, that's so. not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe come back in a couple of months when you've learned what you're talking about. And <laughs> Yeah. So, um, just getting educated, understanding why you want the information. Um, and then you can really go into the conversation with, 
a little more ammunition, you know, and you all, and I, and I feel at that point, like you're not going to be as intimidated to ask the questions because it's really important to you. Like I just said with the soy and the GMO, like those are agricultural practices. We are not interested in supporting. And so if you aren't willing to share with me that your animals are non-GMO, you know, they're, they're supplemented with non-GMO feed and not soy, then that's just not a relationship that's going to come, you know, escalate to anything. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's interesting. Like, cause I visited, um, the pig farm where we get our meat from, but they, they use like neighboring farms for the chickens, mm-hmm. the cows, like, so I've asked questions, but I haven't visited personally. Um, and it was, it was wonderful to see like all these pigs out on the grass, like. Yeah. Pigs on pasture and in a forest. is pretty much like the most amazing thing that is to be seen. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. And they had so much space. And that's something that I know, like for the health of the animal, mm-hmm. being able to be raised in a somewhat natural environment like that is a lot more important to me than it being organic. Right. Um, yes. Absolutely. But then there were some things I saw that I didn't really like. And it was like, it was kind of like kids day and Mm. they got little bags of cereal to give the pigs. And I was like, oh, how big of a deal is this if they have Captain Crunch sometimes? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I know, I know pigs are very like, they're omnivores. So it's not like, it's not like a cow where they're going to have all this digestive distress if something... Yeah, I don't know. So it, it's it's one of those things. I, and I like what you said. Don't expect the farmer to tell you what's important to you. Right. It's like, uh, even, though, even though I'm kind of asking you that. <laughs> well, no. and But it's counterintuitive, right? You're like, oh, well, you're going to be the expert in this. But they're the expert in what they're doing. Like Justin and I farm differently than even the farmers we learn from. Like we glean information. Um, but we we have to work with our land and we have to work with the animals that we have access to. And so, you know, just if you were to ask a farmer, like, okay, are your animals a hundred percent pasture raised? Well, now we're learning, especially in Tennessee, where it's, we're basically mud farmers. If we try to raise animals over the winter, because it's so rainy, well, we probably would isolate our animal to a certain area at that time. So we don't destroy our fields, you know? And so it can be, that it's a rabbit hole. <laughs> like, um, so every farmer, like, even though those words are out there, every farmer is farming differently because they're farming their land and they're farming their animals. But there are those kind of like high level questions where you can be very adamant about not wanting these things in your animal's diet. You know, like yeah. the Captain Crunch on family day, every once in a while, probably is not going <laughs> to cause distress to a pig's um, to a pig's diet. But, you know, if they were, I found out recently, like within the last year that like some cows are supplemented with M&Ms and sawdust. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, I don't understand. (laughs) I don't understand what that means. Um, so, you know, yes. Well, even something like the pigs, like the piglets get to nurse with mm-hmm. their mother. Like, that, yeah. I mean, it's going to make such a big difference in so health. And I remember mm-hmm. going to this, it was like the state, the Iowa State Fair. Like mm-hmm. I was out there for work. So I, we like went to the state fair and I milked a cow. And I think that might've been the first time I milked a cow. And I was asking them like, oh, so is this cow nursing? 
And they're like, oh no, there's, there's bacteria in the milk. <laughs> we, we milk the cows, we pasteurize it and then give it to the calves. And I was like, so distressed. Yeah. <laughs> like why are, you're, you're, you're saying you know better than like, yeah. yeah. And, and depending on the, depending on the environment that the, the animals raised in, that might be true. It might be true that what they're doing is, is healthier for, That's a calf, true. you know what I mean? But it's right. like, it's, there's such, there's so many rabbit holes you can go down. So it's really just like prioritizing what is important to you. If, you know, finding a raw milk producer or finding a milk producer that lets their babies it's called calf sharing basically where you milk okay. in the morning and then the calf drinks all day and then you separate at night and usually separate is like by a gate they still have access to each other so there's oh. no distress and um they just the baby just can't nurse through the night and then in the morning you milk and then it goes it's just it's lovely system that we have experienced but if that's important to you then don't settle for less because there's there's definitely going to be folks that you will be able to find that are doing those things. Um, you know, so that you you really just have to kind of make your list and, and understand why, (laughs) like you said, if you're, if you're, you, you, you want to find someone that is doing it more naturally or letting nature kind of run the show a little bit better. That's, that's a good stance to have. And that's okay to feel that way and to ask those questions. And again, if the producer of that animal or the milk or the product or whatever isn't willing to share or doesn't give you the answer you want, it's not going to be a relationship you want to grow anyway, you know? So. Yeah. I, I think that's interesting because just as you're talking, it's like, it's almost easier to have this lazy consumer mindset where it's like, <laughs> you sell to me why you're the best. And it's, that's totally. what packaging does. It's just like, right. oh, we're the, we're the thing you want to be eating. Like, let me sell myself to you. And then you feel good about yourself and don't have to think. <laughs> right. uh, and I'm yeah. like, okay, that makes sense. Like I gotta, <laughs> I have to prioritize this myself. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm really glad you brought up the dairy because that's something, um, we do, we don't do a lot of dairy in our house, but my son drinks raw milk and mm-hmm. it's kind of a pain because it's illegal here. <laughs> so, right. Even um, if you buy a share, like you have to buy. So you would have to go to the farm to mm-hmm. pick it up. That's legal in Illinois, but right. we're, we're so metropolitan here, like right in Chicago yeah. that it's it's really not feasible for me to drive to the farm. <laughs> um, right. So this, it's yeah. coming from a farm in Wisconsin and it's, um, they have these like drop-offs, but yeah, it's what yeah. I'm doing is illegal. And <laughs> I bet you never thought you'd say that about consuming, <laughs> consuming a food product. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. Like my black market milk. Right. Yeah. It's very expensive. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure that that's part of it. Like the, they're driving, delivering mm-hmm. all that. But, Bottling, yeah. Um, yeah. Like what you said about, uh, I was talking to Scott, like versus a cow just being in a stall mm-hmm. permanently hooked up to machines and they're just milking like whatever, how many milk sessions a day versus like the cow has free access to land. You have to mm-hmm. go find them and milk them and like, 
<laughs> so that makes sense what you're saying about okay the calves can't milk overnight so that they only have to do that once a, once a day and they get a good amount of yeah um I, I'm yeah. glad you brought up the dairy because I I have some questions now for them too and I I do think <laughs> yeah. they're proud and happy to talk about it it's just kind of thinking about these things yes yeah and a lot of it is really carving out time I mean um farming I know when we were kind of shadowing some other farmers I think the biggest pet peeve was just like they put the effort into either getting the information onto their website or getting it out on social media but then they were getting emails from folks that like you were saying like just wanted to be told directly like wanted to have that conversation directly and it's like okay well there's a lot of effort already put into these questions they've been answered in this setting like do your you if you're really interested in sourcing from that farm for whatever reason they popped up on your radar like really get to try to get to know them do your research on them before you start popping in their inbox and you're like hey can you answer questions that maybe they've already put the information out there somewhere um I realize like you know sometimes farmers they won't cover everything or they don't know what consumers want to hear or no answers to. Um, and so there is a, a need to dig a little bit deeper. Um, or if they have like really specialty diets or, you know, if the really, I don't want to say, I don't want to say the word popular, but an up and coming kind of word in the dairy realm is A2, A2 milk, which is more digestible. Um, there's been studies done on it. So if it doesn't specifically say that on a farmer's website, then yeah, you, if you're really adamant about having that in your diet, then you would have to reach out and just say, you know, is it A2A2 and understand why you're asking those questions. Not like, Oh, I heard A2A2 is the best milk to buy. Is that what your cow is? (laughs) Like know why you want it, you know? And Justin and I still like even talking about buying animals, it's an expense increase. Like the more funneled you get into the type of breed and all of those things. And so we have to sit down and have the same conversations like, okay, well, why do we want this? Are we going to try to raise this animal because we're going to try to sell the milk or do a herd share? Are we going to just make cheese for our family? Or, you know, is it just products for us? We digest milk fine. Uh, We love raw milk. So it's like, well, do we really care about these things? And we have to kind of think long-term too. Like, okay, well, if we make a business out of this, then this is what consumers are going to want probably in like within the next five years. Okay, then we have to make that decision to either spend more money now. You know, so it's like a little bit different conversation because of where our money will be as far as like buying the animal (laughs) versus Mm -hmm. buying the product. But it's still a conversation we have to have of like why do we want these things and what's and important. then go from there yeah and what's important so okay so <laughs> j- back to or I don't know back to but I know. Um, <laughs> to talk about cows mm-hmm. so that's something where you know with the the rumen of a cow they mm-hmm. really should only be consuming grass and I, I believe that for a really long time. Um, okay. Yeah. For the first probably like three or four years that we were headed down this path, I was like, okay, grass fed, grass finished because that's their natural diet. Um, but my eyes have been open to 
extremely well cared for, extremely healthy animals, cows and um, specifically that are primarily raised on grass and finished on grain. And they're beautiful product. The pro- okay. the end product is beautiful. Um, like I said, the animals couldn't be cared for any better than they are. They couldn't live better conditions and they're grain fed <laughs> at some okay. point in their life. And so, yeah, um, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the biggest things that we were naive to is again, we went into that with that mindset of like, no grass fed, grass finished. That's exactly the only thing that these animals should be eating but in reality, there are very, very, very healthy cows out there that are being processed where the end of their life, they're getting that grain finished because the farmer truly believes that it puts out a spectacular end product. They're not doing it <laughs> for the most part. I would say 98% of farmers are not doing it because they're trying to get a higher yield out of their animal um, mm-hmm. because ultimately grain is going to put a little bit more fat on an animal, you're going to get a really lean product when you have a grass fed, grass finished, um, cow. Mm -hmm. And so the mindset is like, oh, they're being put into feedlots and forced to eat grain. And then that gives them all this great fat at the end and all of that. Um, but the fact is there are cows that live their whole entire life on pasture and also get grain at the end of their life. And it's a beautiful end product. And it's not because the farmer's trying to get higher yield. It's because they believe wholeheartedly that it is a is a more spectacular product that they're giving the consumer and so yeah so that we were opened we had our eyes open to that just probably within the last like two years two and a half years um because that's really the last couple weeks right um you know I don't know the time frame I want to say it's like maybe a month Okay. But I really, I'm really not sure. But in the grand scheme of their life, right. it is like a pretty small portion of time. Right. It takes so, and that makes sense. Because they're not, they're not getting a chance to really get sick over it. No. Right? So yeah. Fed grain from the beginning. You're... And most cows are all are going to be pasture raised um, for a good portion of their life before okay. they're given grain even. Um and that's a lot of information that we didn't know about until we kind of got into farming and like watching other people's practices. And we're like, oh, those are very healthy animals <laughs> that are getting a very high end grain product or um, and are are putting out a great and, you know, product for you to consume. And so that's another area, of course, that like, <laughs> it doesn't narrow down the questions. <laughs> it doesn't make it really easy. Like, okay, I'm only going to tolerate grass fed grass, yeah. grass but um, we know a ton of farmers that have grain in their program and they're raising out really spectacular animals. So it's That's again, really interesting. Know their practices. Yeah. Um, I would say the hardest products are the ones at the grocery store. Like if we were, if we were going to shop at the grocery store for a beef product, we would probably look for something that's grass fed, grass finished, just because that does indicate more of how they're living their life. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're going to go to a farm and we're going to source our animals from the farmer themselves, that's not, that's not uh, a cutoff for us anymore. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Cause yeah, I wondered that right away when you said, uh cow or um you said pigs and chickens that Mm -hmm. were 
least living like their natural lives. And I, yes. I was like, well, what about cows? I thought, yeah. they were, I don't know. Yeah, I know. But yeah, actually too. where I was going with that was I'm, I was wondering about, um, should you be asking questions about the grass? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, like if you were to come to us and ask us about the grass that we're that we would be putting our cows on we wouldn't be able to answer that I mean we know what it looks like you know what I'm saying like we there's so much education and learning and um yeah so I mean it depends on it's so tough and every and every territory is going to be different every state's going to be different our what about fertilizers or yeah you definitely um you could ask about pesticides being sprayed um the types of fertilizers being used like if it's actually like a natural fertilizer versus like they're putting miracle grow down or something like that um that those would be great questions to ask um, because the, there's hard lines there for us too with the pesticides and things like that where it's like, yeah, we don't want like beautiful berries from the store if they've been sprayed with pesticides to keep bugs off of them the whole time, you know? So yeah, that, those, those, would, I would definitely put those down on a notepad. <laughs> um, okay. For sure. Yeah. Those are okay. very- Cause yeah, just because it says a hundred percent grass fed, grass finished, if that was what I decided was important to me, right? <laughs> uh, it's still not necessarily you almost Indicative. have to go downstream. Yeah, yes. yeah, yep. okay. yeah. And then, what about vegetables? Do you know a lot about the organic? I know you've gotten more into it. I've seen it yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, how did we get to this place? We said we wouldn't even touch the greenhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted a couple of chickens, and a, a few acres. <laughs> No, no, it's, it's a wild, it's a wild thing, but we, uh, are, oh, we say now like, well, you never know what can happen because this is our life. (laughs) Um, so as far as vegetables go, when we were sourcing a lot of our vegetables from the grocery store, we went by the clean 15 and the dirty dozen Mm -hmm. list and basically like completely steered clear, always got organic for the dirty dozen that are most likely to be sprayed with pesticides and then would kind of walk the line a little bit with the clean 15 and knowing that, okay, we're probably going to peel the skin on a butternut squash and all those things. So, um, we, all the seeds that we've planted, everything that we're doing. Um, I just picked up a few today. They either say non GMO on them or they say organic on them or heirloom of some sort, just because we have the capability to buy it in seed form, which is much less expensive than buying it from the store. So I would say if, as far as prioritizing, we went meat and dairy first, that's where we put all of our monies. And then when we went down the list to vegetables, we kind of towed that line of like, okay, we can be okay with not eating these specific vegetables organically and maybe have some cost savings there. Um, but yeah, just <laughs> like throwing some microgreens in a little bit of soil on your windowsill. Like there's a lot of ways to just not be a vegetable farmer but bring really healthy vegetables into your life too. And I don't know, seeds to me is like, if you plant them, they will grow. <laughs> That's, 
it's been uh it's it's an yeah it's interesting how much I love them now <laughs> that's I was awesome. like, yeah no I will just buy all of these things because I can't handle it but <laughs> are there so I don't know if you know a lot of local vegetable farmers where you are I'm just wondering like going to a farmer's market and talking about vegetables like what I don't know what would I want to ask other than is it organic? Like, yeah. Um, I, I've seen some like cool interviews about sustainable farming around agriculture. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I was just curious if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah. I think going back to um, do you use pesticides on your vegetables or, you know, do you use what types of fertilizers do you use or do you use fertilizers um, will likely get you. 90% of the way there with okay. whether you want to buy that vegetable or not. Again, the organic label, especially at a farmer's market where you're kind of going on that smaller scale um, for a farmer, it's just, it's not a feasible label for a lot of farmers that are really doing yeah. great things because um, yeah. it's so expensive. <laughs> and especially for vegetable farming, um, we ha- we have just barely scratched the surface of like what they have to go through, how long the land has had to be like cleansed of non-organic practices. And it's, especially if it's a young farmer, you're likely to not have that capability at all because okay. of all the traditional agriculture that has either grown genetically modified foods or use some kind of non-organic practices so okay yeah definitely definitely chatting them up or with the farmer's market I know a lot of times there's like a vendor list and so that's another opportunity where you can do a little bit of research before you go there and see who the vegetable farmers are maybe check out their social media or check out a website that they might have and then you'll get just a little bit more information because farmers markets can get crazy busy and <laughs> it gets yeah. a little wild, um, depending on where you are. So there's sometimes not an opportunity to open up that conversation. Um, Maybe I need just, to go right at 7 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> when they seriously. Open. Seriously, because we did our first farmers market and we were like, oh my gosh, the lines, it just happens yeah. very quickly. Okay. <laughs> and there's not like a really good opportunity to have this like good conversation around it without feeling really rushed. And I think that okay. can kind of... Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, maybe trying to do a little bit of your own research first, but you know, having those main points of like, do you have to have heirloom seed variety vegetables? And if that's important to you, that's okay. Own it. And then you'll, you'll understand why you're wanting to ask those questions. Yeah. No, I really like that. Cause yeah, yeah, with the, with the, like the organic thing, I'd rather have a small farmer that's doing everything right, but they can't, yes. you know, like you said, the the organic label isn't attainable because even just getting certified is really expensive yeah. um, mm-hmm. rather than like the big organic farms in California that like, like yeah. everything is coming from a couple big, I don't know, just huge, huge farms. And yeah. like, I want to support the local farmers, but it's, yeah, yeah. I, I, I need to do more research into, okay, because if I go and ask about pesticides and fer- fertilizer, what's the answer I want to hear? I don't know. Right, exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, 
And then like CSAs, community supported agriculture programs are a little bit more common amongst vegetable farmers. So that's also an opportunity to support a local farm directly. Um, Basically in those instances, you're paying before the grow season starts. And so you're either monthly or you're maybe paying in like the uh, twice a year type of setting, but you get a box weekly once the grow season starts. And then it's a really fun way to eat with the seasons and also um, maybe dive into vegetables that you've never tried before. We were lucky enough on one of the farms that we helped out at, um, there was a CSA there and it was so much fun. We were like, oh my gosh, we've never had these vegetables before. (laughs) And just like learning ways to eat those foods and eat with the season. Um, And they were not organic, but we obviously we were out there and we were able to see exactly how their food was grown um, and what sorts of things they were able to use to keep insects at bay and all of those things. So um, even just a quick Google search of like natural ways or, you know, natural pesticides for vegetables where you'll come up with like neem oil or like soap and water and things like that. And um, just so that you already are armed with the information like you said like well what am what do I want to hear when I ask that question yeah (laughs) like if somebody's like oh yeah I spray all the time with neem oil you might go home and be like oh I'm not eating that food like what's neem oil (laughs) (laughs) you know and it's a perfectly natural product so yes uh education is key which can seem overwhelming but once you get like the basics down I feel like you're in a really good position to to feel empowered about your health. And then the food, I think it all plays together. Like if you're putting the time in to get educated about the food, then that means that you are prioritizing your health. And I really feel like that's a domino effect from there because it doesn't feel like a chore when you're getting empowered with information, or at least that's, that's how it was for us. You know, I know that, we're like in it deep every day (laughs) being (laughs) farmers and being on the land and watching animals grow and things like that. But I think that as a consumer that has a job or, you know, has like, has a job, (laughs) has like a job that's not centered in agriculture. um, I still feel like you can get the information for establishing just some basic requirements that you want for your health. Yeah. And that's where I think it goes back to like, yes, it's easier to just go in the store and look at, look Mm -hmm. for that black and white organic label, but it's like, is that, is that what's important to you? Or are you just, I don't know, being a little lazy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. And the, and another resource that I wanted to make sure to mention, um, because it is awesome to be able to have products that you rely on that you don't have to think so hard about or read every label. Justin and I love to go into like new grocery stores and read labels of products from companies we've never seen and have those marketing buzzwords. And like, that's something we really like to do. Most people probably don't like to do that. (laughs) Um, But another resource from Diane Sanfilippo is, um, and I think the Whole30 put out a lot of printables too, like grocery store specific lists of company names that are putting out really good, healthy products for people. Okay. Um, and 
like I want to say Diane Sanfilippo even puts them like Trader Joe's, Walmart, you know, Whole Foods. And she like breaks them down by store specific printables where you can just print it out and take it to the store. And she has them sectioned off into the different um, aisles and things like that. Um, And so there are, there are folks out there putting out really good information if you want to be an informed consumer and you don't Do you have, have a link to so that. Hard. Um, I can send it to you for sure. Yeah. Okay. I'll link to that in the show notes then. Yeah. So that's that such a good it. resource. Okay. Um, and for a long time I was like, Oh my gosh, I need to do this because we go and read labels and we could totally like put a list together like that. And then she did it. And I'm like, I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and I could just send people your way. Cause I don't have time to, <laughs> time to make yeah. these beautiful lists that she makes. So, um, yeah, those two resources, she puts out really good, um, information and, and then the whole 30, um, they put out really great printables and tools and free things for you to be an informed consumer without becoming a farmer. <laughs> Essentially. Yes. I don't, I think most of our listeners are not going to become farmers. <laughs> right. I know. And I always say like, we, we understand that not everyone wants to do what we're doing. And there's a, re- there's, there's a good reason for that. Like, you know, my own mother is not interested in processing animals. <laughs> like this isn't a family affair. Yeah. Um, so we get it and we are more than willing to educate as much as we possibly can. Cause we certainly are not experts <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Um, yeah. And then what if you wanted to, if you're looking for a local farmer, I think farmer's markets are a great resource and mm-hmm. our, our local one, they have meat there. But um, for somebody who might not know, how would you go about looking for somebody? So my, my favorite top resource is eatwild.com and okay. they have you have, like as a farmer, you have to register to be on their database and um, you basically go to their website, you click on your state and it pops up like a Google map basically with pins all over it of where the farmers are. You click on a pin, it says exactly what they're raising. Um, And I just quickly went on when I was writing these resources down for our interview. um, I quickly went on for Tennessee, which I I think I had done once, maybe when we were moving up here. Um, But there's like these farmers are getting very detailed and just that one click. So you're clicking to eatwild.com, you're clicking on your state and you're clicking on the pin in your location. And I could not believe how much information was in the sidebar. Like I didn't even have to go to their website. It was like how their animals are being raised. It was beautiful. And I love that website. We've always used that website. Anytime we were in a different state, we've used that website. Um, so eatwild.com, that's an absolute go-to. Um, if you are interested in raw milk, realmilk.com is basically like the raw milk version of eatwild.com. So they are going to have all the raw milk resources, any farmer, if it's a herd share type of situation where you have to go like buy into a herd share, which all that means is like you're signing a contract saying that you're partially purchasing a cow and the farmers Mm. caring for it, but then you're getting like so much milk a month. And so, um, and then like drop locations, like what you do, things like that, that's going to be on realmilk.com. 
And then the Weston A. Price Foundation, they are an incredible resource for all things real food. Um, They have local chapters. And so you can go to their website. You can go go to, I want to say I uh, maybe about, or now I can't think of where it is in their menu, but it's not that hard to find. Um, And just reach out to the folks that are the uh, focal for that local chapter. And they will probably give you so much more information than you could ever want (laughs) about local farmers in your area, because they are out there doing the research and finding the farms that are really raising animals right? Or have really high quality product or have great vegetables. Um, so yeah, Weston A. Price. And then they have a lot of like research that they do. Um, I know they've posted a bunch of stuff on like gluten sensitivities. And then they also post a bunch of stuff on um, eating fat and sourcing mm-hmm. your fats properly um, and things like that. And so I think... And, and we've then, talked a lot about Weston A. Price before and um, cause they have that like fertility and pregnancy diet um, that we've talked about in our like pregnancy episode where they emphasize certain nutrients. So. Um. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're a great resource. And then I think one of the questions you asked or you sent me to think about was sourcing local versus shipping. And so, mm-hmm. um, one of our biggest, I kind of get, I get a little bit fired up about this okay. <laughs> these days, especially because we are in a location where to get to consumers that will pay the price for the food that we sell, we, it's an all day affair. So it's at least two hours of driving time. And then it's the time at the market and things like that. And it's a great place to start. Like when Justin and I didn't have a toddler and we just like to venture out and go find restaurants or find farmers markets and things like that. Like if you have the ability to do that and source right close to your home, I think that is an awesome idea. Um, But I also am a part of a community of farmers that could potentially live four hours from the closest market. Mm -hmm. And so I think some people really get on their high horse about like sourcing local and not having food cross state lines and things like that. Um, But you're basically, if you are on that high horse, you're basically telling a family, a family farm that lives four hours to the closest metropolitan city where they're going to get that price for the food that they're raising, that they need to go, they need to spend eight hours in a vehicle to sell their product. And you have no idea what consumers are going to be there and if they even will sell their food. And Mm -hmm. so we are now part of a community. um, uh, Five Mary's Farms has created this amazing community of very, um, empowered mostly women because the women are usually the ones running the social media aspect of it on mm-hmm. w- as far as the farm goes. Um, but shipping their meats and shipping their products, and really, we have the ability to take the local term nationwide because of what we have at our fingertips. You know, like if you if I can box up all of our food products that we are raising and sourcing as best as we possibly can to make, 
and I can ship them to your doorstep. Like you said, like it, you have to drive hours to get to the farm or at least an hour to get to a farm to get the right milk that you want to mm-hmm. drink. Um, if we can have the UPS driver come and pick that up from our farm doorstep and get it to your doorstep and save all of those hours on the road of loading the kids up and have it, you know, or not, not being with our farm families, which is for the most part, why most farmers do what they do is to grow their (laughs) families right there together. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of opportunity now, I think to have both the convenience but also support locally, um, in that term. And so, uh, I think that we have to, we have to weigh out the things that are really most important to us and, and, and stick with that. Um, and yeah, so (laughs) I'm really glad you mentioned that. So you sell all of your meats. We don't yet. Um, yeah, so we, we do have like, I think one of our hogs, we process through USDA, which you have to process USDA certified in order for it to cross state lines. Got it. Um, but we do not raise enough to sell it nationwide. Like we don't have a reason to kind of go down that path. We sell all of our um, sourdough products nationwide. Um, but yeah, as far as raising animals, like we just, we haven't gotten that far yet. Um, but we know a lot of people that do, and I would definitely put the resource on everyone's radar for, um, Instagram. They have a handle on there. It's M five entrepreneurs. And basically Mary Heffernan of five Mary's farms, um, created this M five community. And at some point she's going to put out like, like a database basically of the folks that are in this M five community, which are small family farms. Um, that are raising beef or pork or chicken or selling eggs or all of the things or soap or just like anything that you would think that you would see at a farmer's market, the community of people, (laughs) it's awesome. I just ordered, um, maple syrup from the gateway farm in Vermont. And this little family is so, so cute and is educating on social media, like how they make their maple syrup and tapping the trees. And it's so cool to see. It's like a process that I would never know about otherwise. Um, and so this database will have all of the folks that are shipping meat or shipping products or in some capacity getting you their family farms, hard work product into your hands in a really convenient way. And I think that, I think that there's a space to marry those two things of letting farmers be on the farm with their families and getting you really good quality product shipped to your doorstep. And so I think we should never rule out, uh, only shop at farmer's markets or, you have to source local or you're not doing it right <laughs> and whatever local means to you. Um, yeah. cause ultimately that's a lot of time out of a farmer's day and that's something to be mindful of because <laughs> yeah. there's never enough hours in a day. <laughs> well, cause I think even yeah. like, like somewhere like Chicago, it's still urban, like at least 90 minutes in every direction of downtown, you know? Yeah. Um, so there, you're not, you're not really that local, like somebody's driving anyway. (laughs) Right. Right. um, Exactly. But, 
Um, yeah, can we talk about sourdough really quick? Oh my god, of course. I'm so <laughs> excited when I saw your post about enjoying bread because I like I've had so many people reach out to us and they're like, Oh, we heard the sourdough process really helps with digestion. And like I'm very careful about the words I use and the you know, the advice that I give because Justin and I are not gluten sensitive. <laughs> and I yeah. but we do know what it feels like to feel really awful after eating something that is not okay for our bodies to digest. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very, it's a very, very fine line that I walk because I don't ever want to sell someone. I'm like, Oh yes, all these other people are doing it. Just do it. <laughs> I'm like, no, no do I know, research. Cause, <laughs> yeah. cause I've been asking you about that. <laughs> yes. I know. We, I was, when we, when we visited, we bought um, some of your English muffins, mm -hmm. and Scott loved them, and I was too afraid to try them. And yes. I like, I almost wanted you to like give me permission, like you'll be fine. I won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. Think I, I think my advice to you is like, if you're gonna try it, have activated charcoal like ready. <laughs> just yeah. Well, and I was also pregnant, and it was yeah. like early pregnancy, and I'm just like, I don't know if I want to mess with that. No. Um, <laughs> so it was, but yeah, I, I finally, I made my first loaf yesterday. Oh my gosh, I saw it and my heart just leaped <laughs> out of my chest. It's so exciting to me. It's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> and I think we you were talking earlier about just this like connection to your food. Mm -hmm. And there's something so special about like my hands mixed that and um, yeah, I don't know. And it's, you didn't need a bread maker. <laughs> no, and, I didn't yeah. want to invest that much. Cause I'm like, well, right. what, if, what if it doesn't, cause I'm, I'm decently gluten, gluten sensitive. I hadn't tried it in yeah. a while. Uh, and I used einkorn flour. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to buy a bread maker if I try my first, or, uh, um, stand mixer if right. I try my first loaf and I get a reaction to it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah the Dutch oven I was like oh 50 50 something dollars I don't know yeah. <laughs> but no it was wonderful I'm um, so glad to hear that how did you guys get into that um so <laughs> I don't we uh, we part of the domino effect <laughs> part of the domino effect basically <laughs> I Justin had always loved sourdough um, when he was growing up, that's what his mom bought, um, at the store and things like that. And we didn't like in my family, I didn't really have a, like a connection to bread like that. I mean, we bought like wonder bread or whatever was at the store yeah. at the time. There was no, there was no depth to it, I guess you could say. Um, but he was pretty much over me crying over trying to make like hamburger buns that a taro root like <laughs> I basically went down every path of like okay gluten-free and oh my god babe did you know you could make bread from you know some random <laughs> vegetable and he's like it's not bread and it's yeah, not so crumbly <laughs> he's like it's not the same I'm like no but but it is we could totally be and it was so funny because like we hardly ate a lot of bread <laughs> but like all of a sudden because there was like this whole world of recipes where people were making these loaves out of almonds and <laughs> I felt like I needed to experiment with that and there was a lot of failed experiments <laughs> and um yeah so he just went for it he started a sourdough starter and January we it just turned five years old um and that was like 
I really don't even know how the sourdough thing started at this farm that we're at, like how that that even became a thing. And now it's like our main, our main source of business right now. And, uh, it's been a ton of fun and now we're selling the starter, which we love the idea of that because the, the putting out the products is a lot of work for us. I mean, we take a whole weekend, we mix or we feed the starter on Fridays. We mix all the bread products and the tortillas and the English muffins on Saturday. We bake on Sunday and package everything up and then we ship on Monday. So it's a, it's a lot and we love it. And we love sharing our products with people and we love hearing the feedback of how people love it or like when they get a product and they were gluten insensitive or they were gluten sensitive and they find that they can eat it. Like that makes us so happy. We're like, yes, everyone should enjoy the natural fermentation of sourdough because it's unlike any other bread product I feel. Um, but to have people buy the starter and to get going on their own journey and to have those moments like what you had where you're connected to your food in some way, um, that really puts us over the top. Um, we have a lot of resources coming down the pipeline. We want to first focus on the sourdough starter and just kind of debunking a lot of the myths around, uh, we, I can't tell you how many messages I've gotten where people think they killed their starter. And I'm like, if you don't see mold, we're going to get through. Like, <laughs> the only thing that you have to worry about is mold. If you see mold, yeah, you're going to have to start over. But if you Got don't it. have no fear, we will get you there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you'll open like a sourdough starter <laughs> clinic. Like, yes, it's okay. Everything we'll save you. We FaceTimed with a girl that bought our starter once and was just like, Oh my God, it's all a failure. And I'm like, it's not because even in the, the learning process of sourdough, um, you can always find something to do with the, with the product you make. Like, even if it's a super dense loaf, you can make it into strata and there's all sorts of different recipes where, or breadcrumbs or b- b- bread pudding or something where, you know, you're able to use that product. It's not, I, ca- I can't think of a single loaf we ever threw away. There were many that came out of the oven that we were like, what? happened like where did we go wrong here but there's always something that you can do with it um and so really getting people to feel confident in their sourdough making journey um we have resources to um we're going to share our recipes and just really like get people in the kitchen and just start there um Cause it's a couple of ingredients. Like, you know, it's a little different when you're like, okay, I'm going to start cooking from scratch and you have to go buy these ingredients you've never heard of yeah. like coconut aminos and <laughs> things like that. Um, it's three ingredients and it was still can... very intimidating to me. Like, it's I don't so, know why yes. bread <laughs> making just seems like this whole thing. And yeah. um, so I was so intrigued and I was asking you about it when we visited, but I was scared. And then <laughs> I went to the the retreat with the Modern yeah, yeah. podcast and Laura gave everybody some of her starter. Yes. So then it's like sitting in my fridge, kind of taunting <laughs> me. <Scaring> like, <laughs> <laughs> Feed me. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So yeah, if you are local to me, you can, you can get some starter to me, but uh, yeah, yes. if you want to try sourdough, uh, a lot of the people that 
I kind of follow and there's this whole like sourdough community thing going. It is, it's so cool. Like you're tagged in most of them because a lot of yeah. people. I know I told Laura, I said, I really didn't think that this was going to be the thing that we collaborated on. Like, yeah. It's, so, it's very fun. It's so fun. So that's been really cool. And to see her get into the process and share her resources. Um, every baker is different. Like Justin and I do things differently and it in than any other baker we know because we have the tools same with the farming you know it's like you use what you have and then you make it work for your lifestyle and sourdough is, is no different it's like oh you don't want to knead the bread then don't need the bread <laughs> like throw it in a bowl and then <laughs> plop it in a roasting pan and see what happens you know <laughs> Well, I'm excited for your recipes though, because I've seen you make the chocolate one. Oh yeah. That just sounds amazing. Yes, that one is uh definitely a favorite. And then we just put all of our inputted all of our orders today for our bake weekend and have like the most rosemary uh rosemary and roasted garlic loaves that we've ever done in one weekend. Justin's like everyone's catching on to how <laughs> delicious this bread is because <laughs> the rosemary roasted garlic that combination is okay it's a special, it's a special one <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm pretty sure after that loaf yesterday I'm ready to get advanced <laughs> yeah let's do it yeah just right? jump right and we just like up uh totally changed all the appliances we use we went from a like a home oven to what's called a Rothko baker's oven. It's like a, most micro bakeries use them. They can fit like roughly like 12 loaves, 12 to 15 loaves in at a time. Um, but it's like that step between like going super, like you're a baker and need to, yeah, like $20,000 oven. Um, this is the low, 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 low end of that. (laughs) That's actually feasible at our level. And so we've basically had to like relearn our entire sourdough bread making process over the last probably month and a half (laughs) so it's like you never stop learning it's another connection to your food and the more you do it I think the more the more you want to do it kind of thing because it's just a lot of fun well that's (laughs) one of those things yeah if you're like you know I can't believe I'm eating bread because that's one of these things where it's like I'm paleo like I and it doesn't have coconut in it (laughs) yeah (laughs) and yeah and but then if you're if you go to the perspective of like let's eat nourishing foods Mm -hmm. like that were you know like we're supporting flour companies that I think are doing things right and yeah it's it's just really cool and it's like sourdough bread is a nutrient rich food that you yes. can't even compare as the same food to wonder bread. <laughs> no, right. Exactly. Um, we actually will go through and like look at the, um, nutrition labels for like English muffins now when we're at the store and we're like, Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, not the same food. <laughs> no, it's not the same food. Cause it, you know, we can, we do have a tendency as, as people that are putting out products for consumers, um, that we made with our own hands, it's intimidating. Like if it doesn't look exactly like what people expect it to look like from the mm-hmm. store. And then we go to the store and we look at the back of the packaging and we're like, that's why ours has variability in it because it's a living organism and there's four ingredients. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like there's, there's that room for, okay, this is a truly handcrafted product. Um, yeah. 
And then of course, the more we like delve into scaling up, it's like, oh, that's why their tortillas are all perfectly round and six inches. And <laughs> because there's machines that cost thousands of dollars <laughs> that do that. I had no idea. Like there's always these cool machines out there that do the work for you. And which is why you can buy tortillas by the pack for much less than you can buy ours, but it is not the same product. Nope. <laughs> so um, we are really proud of what we're putting out. And that's been a lot of fun, like probably an avenue we did not expect to go down. Um, it's so our, cool. Yeah, <laughs> scary, intimidating, but also outrageously um, fulfilling. So <laughs> well, that's awesome. So yeah, where can people find you? We are at threeriversfarmandretreat.com. Um, I am diligently adding more and more information to our website. Um, but the can, three is like I, 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 right? Uh, the th- so you can also get there, th- the I, 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 riversfarm.com. But um, if you spell the whole thing out, threeriversfarmandretreat.com, okay. you can get there that way too. We have linked both ways. We're very active on Instagram as far as social media goes, and that is at III Rivers Farm. Um, And then we have our shop page available. We ship our sourdough products nationwide. We are on Airbnb and Hip Camp, and you can get to all of our retreat options either through our website or through through Instagram profile. Um, We have everything linked on there. Um, And, yeah, we are in... Southeast Tennessee, right on the border, literally on the border of Georgia and Tennessee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the farm backs up to the Cherokee National Forest. Um, we're roughly, we're just about two hours from Atlanta, Georgia, um, and about an hour and a half south of Knoxville, almost due south from Knoxville. So, okay. really great location. Um, like you said, it's, it's pretty, pretty dreamy out there. <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, we love it. And we love to host people and, um, yeah, we're ramping up for, for a big season this year. We think <laughs> we're already That's getting so phone awesome. calls and people are booking and we're like, Oh my gosh, is winter over? Like what's happening? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause we, we wanted to stay longer and I waited too long. So <laughs> That's right. You're like, is it still available this day? I'm like, it isn't not to and the, yep. definitely the, we're adding more like glamping options this year um, we have a loft that we're going to be able to offer um, more opportunities to just come with your belongings versus coming with a whole tent set up or something like that so you can just come be at the farm uh, one other thing to mention is we are going to put on our first hog processing workshop Um, so we're basically going to take a lot of the information that you and I just talked about. I'm going to put that into, um, a booklet form. And then we're going to do like a hands-on workshop with folks that want to see like the different cuts of a hog and, um, how to use all of the animal in different recipes. And, um, we talked about that a little bit with your bone marrow pancakes. I'm so excited to try those. Um, yeah, so that's going to be a super fun class and that's going to be offered, um, one of the last two weeks in, or two weekends in June. So if you want to be, if you want that on your radar, if that's something of interest to you, then just sign up for our email subscriber list and we will be able, we'll be pushing the information out there first. So awesome. Yeah. 
Well, is there anything else you wanted to share? <sighs> I don't know. I think we, <laughs> I know, I we covered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this is exactly how this conversation was going to go too. Cause I'm like, Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's good information to have out in the world, I think. And, um, no, like I said, I've... we're not ex- experts, but if you have questions or you want to understand how to get better educated, we are always available to ha- open up the conversation and we are here and can usually point you in the right direction for the right resources. Um, we may not have all the answers, but we are more than willing to share any knowledge that we have. <laughs> no, this was so great. And then again, for all of my local friends that are listening, I am going to put it on my list to talk more to the farmers that are at our market and, yeah, you know, have some of those conversations this summer and kind of give you guys updates on how that goes. So yeah, I, I, I really appreciate it. Yes, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Email us your questions at nourishedandnurturing at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at nourishedandnurturing. You can find more from me, Marissa, at confidentlybalanced.com. And you can find more from me, Michelle, on Instagram at Michelle Taggy. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you like what you heard and share it with a friend. We look forward to talking to you next week.